Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DUG. That's DUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels. Uh, We'll continue to cover the World Cup. The Brits are up 1-0 on Croatia. Croatia, the country that everyone I know who has ever been there was like, dude, that's the hidden gem. Of all hidden gems. I've literally, I've had friends play there. I've had friends coach there. I've had a myriad of friends visit there. And everyone I know is like, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. The people are nice. The women are stunning. The food is good. And you get some of that kind of old Eastern European charm with some of these kind of classic older cities. Plus you got water and beaches and lakes and rivers. It's amazing. It's like a total hidden gem. That said, I think we all want England versus France. Any rivalry that you can think of pales in comparison to England versus France. Even Russia versus America. Like, imagine the scenario had we actually just qualified. 
right? And Russia got into a finals. Russia, United States would have been a historic matchup with superpowers. But here's the thing. Soccer is bigger, obviously, in France and England than it is here. But France and England are rivals. You're like going back to what, like the beginning of civilization in those era, in those areas. It, 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 it puts Duke and Carolina, Auburn and Alabama and Michigan and Ohio State together to shame. They've literally fought in wars against each other. They're separated by a body of water. Like, you can't make it up. I have no idea if they like each other, but the fact that one drives on one side of the road and the other drives on the other side of the road, that's crazy. Different languages. You got English muffins, which are fantastic, by the way, against French toast. Equally fantastic. Anyway. Uh, we'll get to, uh, we'll, we'll cover the World Cup as it becomes necessary. Let's keep, let's keep talking with some NBA, shall we? Apparently, Luke Walton was in the know, has been talking, texting back with LeBron James, that per Ramona Shelburne. Uh, Luke had a great quote about the night he found out that LeBron was coming to the Lakers. I'll share that with you. But yesterday, Adam Silver spoke to the media about a, quote, robust conversation at the board of governors meeting about improving the current competitive landscape and that the NBA can create a better system. The two things that were most discussed or that he was willing to share was one changing the age limit of the NBA and two potentially changing the playoff format of the NBA. Let's start with the age limit to which I don't think he understood the information that was given to him. So there's a commission on college athletics chaired by Condoleezza Rice, who, oh yeah, by the way, doesn't really have anything to do with college athletics. Condoleezza Rice is amazing. She's incredibly accomplished. She apparently loves football. That's how she got on the college football playoff committee. But she doesn't currently, I believe, work at a university, nor has she recruited in college, but like the, the problem with that committee is like, there's nobody who's really kind of present day invested that much in college basketball. And yet their findings are why the NCAA is going to make a change. And the NBA is likely to make a change. And the first part is changing the age limit. But what's interesting about what uh, Adam Silver said was my personal view is we are ready to make a change. It won't come immediately, but when I weighed the pros and cons, and given that Condoleezza Rice and her commission has recommended to the NBA that those one-and-done players now come directly into the league, in essence, the college community is saying we don't want those players anymore. It sort of tips the scale in my mind that we should take a serious look at lowering the age to 18. You're listening to the information all wrong. They don't want them. okay? Because they don't want the whole attitude persona of, I'm only here for five minutes, and then I'm gone. What's what is in the best interest of the league is most important. Instead of reacting to emotions, reacting to facts. Go back to when we had no age limit. You guys remember that? Why did it change? Because NBA teams were tired of trying to evaluate players in high school. NBA coaches couldn't win with the young players that they drafted. NBA GMs 
were reaching and stretching to find the next stars, but there was way more swings and misses than there were hits. And oh yeah, by the, by the way, even when there were, I believe in 2005 was the last year, you had like 13 players uh, drafted straight out of high school. Most of those missed. They didn't develop as human beings. What's a, what's a healthier, what is a healthier system? The NFL system or the NBA system? Steve Kerr wrote an article. Go back and read it. I tweeted it out earlier today. He was a GM in the NBA. He's now a coach in the NBA. At the time he was covering college basketball, he's like, look, dude, you don't want this. You don't want 18-year-olds. You want them to have to stay in school for two or three years. Plus, it, build, it builds their brands. It builds their brands for the teams they're going to join. It develops them as people and as players. Adam Silver's reacting to Twitter. He's reacting to emotions. He's reacting to people who aren't involved in the sport. And if you and I warn college athletics, like if you want, if you want the baseball system, you know what you're going to get out of college basketball, college baseball. How relevant is college baseball? It's not. And then you look at the idea we we, we want. What did he say? Let me be clear under the current system. We want teams to compete like crazy. So I think the Warriors within the framework of this deal should be doing everything they can to increase their dominance. But, but Adam Silver says we can create a better system. We're not trying to create some sort of forced parity. We want to realize, we want to really be focused on parity of opportunity. There's so many kind of conflicting alliances in where the NBA should go. But again, you have to start with what's in the best interest of the entire league. And while motion would tell you, hey, go to one to 16. The fact is that if you have an L.A. versus Golden State finals, you're not going to have the viewership that you would have versus a Boston versus Golden State finals. That's just the reality of it. Don't believe me, I give you Yankees-Mets World Series. Terrible ratings world, uh, nationwide. Not only are 66% of the TV viewers in the Eastern Seaboard, but the fact is that once you become a regional sport, look at college football's numbers and how they've struggled in the college football playoff era. When you get, when you get regionalized, when you take Ohio State out of it, when you take USC, you don't put USC in it, your numbers are going to suffer. And the NBA is reacting on emotion and they're kind of a step behind. And if you chase down the West and say, hey, the West is better than the East, by the time you flip it and you make it one to 16 in a couple of years, because it does take that much time to work out the scheduling changes, the playoff changes, how to make it fair and equitable for people. But I'm talking regular season schedule, not just postseason schedule. The East is likely to be as good or better. Remember, Giannis is in Milwaukee. Uh, Philadelphia appears to be good. They're going to be good. Boston's going to be very good for a long time, and we'll see if the Wizards and a couple other teams can figure it out. Hell, Toronto had the best record. Now LeBron's out. Maybe they can get over the hump. But it, it feels like Adam Silver is reacting on emotion, taking the advice of others. And while people didn't like David Stern because David Stern could be abrasive, could be abrupt. Frankly, 
he could be an a-hole. He just could. He could be a serious a-hole. This dude's so not, he's just too nice. And he's going to get pushed around and manipulated and mauled in this thing. He wants to be liked. He wants people to really like him. That's cool. But you know what? People don't like Roger Goodell. How's the NFL doing? Oh, the NFL's doing terrible. No, it's not. No. No, it's not. The NFL didn't have Thursday Night Football five years ago. Then, they had a couple of games they put on CBS. They had put games on their own NFL network. Then they're like, hey, CBS and NBC, you guys split it up. They didn't even rate that well. And Fox came in and said, yeah, we're going to blow that off or out, of, out, of, out of the water. You know why? Because you got to have the NFL. It ain't about being liked. It's not about making people happy. But the product. But what's in the best interest of the league. And while you're really close and the talent might be at an all-time high, half the teams are trying to be bad. And by trying to play catch up and fix the thing and make it one through 16, you're going to cut up all of the different history of the sport, Lakers, Celtics, NBA, all the East versus West. You're going to lose the Eastern seaboard in an effort to be liked. The league will lose popularity. will lose momentum. It's not NBA 2K. It's real life, right? I mean, the, the comical part about the whole, even 18 year old age limit is there is no age limit for guys to go to the G League. They can come straight out of high school, go to the G League for a year, and be drafted. Let that, now that more know that, even though that's been available to them for a decade, let, let some of them explore that. See how that goes. Go ahead, try it for a year. They've been able to come straight out of high school for a long time. They just can't get drafted. And even now, they can go to IMG Academy if they want. They can do the prep school thing. In your effort to protect two or three kids who might be forced to go to college for a year. Talk to the actual people, uh, boots on the ground, and they'll tell you, none of them are really ready. And the reason that the college system doesn't really want them around is just kind of the whole attitude of, I don't need to be here. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. People confuse initials and nicknames all the time. It's not the same thing. Initials are not nicknames. Joe Varden knows that. He covers the Cavs for Cleveland.com. He's got some great insight on LeBron James. He joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, There's a three-hour podcast out there that here's how good it is, Joe. I was having dinner last night in uh, Southern, in, in Los Angeles with a friend who lives in near the area where LeBron lives. And he's like, have you downloaded the, the podcast with Varden and those guys? I was like, I've heard some, but we have it at work. He's like, no, no, no. It's three hours. It's all really, really good. For people who want to get a hold of it, how do they do so? Wow. Um, well, there's actually two of them uh, that my colleagues and I had, had done. One was with Howard Beck, um, the full 48, which was uh, in between games one and two of the finals. And that is a lot more about just what it was like for four years to kind of live together and live through the LeBron phenomenon. Um, and we, we had a lot of fun with that. We also drank three bottles of wine while we were doing it, which was fun. And then um, the new one is uh, 
at it actually through a local radio station, 92.3 FM in Cleveland, their, their, uh, iPod or their podcast channel. And that is where we kind of, um, peel the, the, a couple layers back into what happened in Cleveland and what happened with LeBron and LeBron and Kyrie and, and David Blatt and Ty Lue and Dan Gilbert and just kind of on down the line. But it's, so you kind of get that same flair of um, sort of the, I don't know, just the camaraderie that we had built uh, over, through four years together covering this team. We were the three guys that stayed on the beat the whole time and traveled the country with LeBron and, and those guys and, and um, you know, obviously really got to know him and know each other uh, in, in a really good way. Um, some, of, some of what I've heard, I can't tell you I've consumed all of it, but some of what I've heard paints the picture of LeBron um, as, a, as a little bit, one, very, very smart, uh, cunning in yeah. fact, but at times can be petulant, spoiled, uh, can throw fits. All sometimes, though, he, he does things for a purpose. Like, how would, you, how would you characterize to the person who hasn't seen the real LeBron, how would you characterize LeBron James as a teammate throughout those four years? Yeah, I mean, it's a really it's uh, it's a complex picture when it comes to LeBron um, as a as a uh, an, a superstar athlete to work with. From my perspective, uh, I could not possibly have been treated better. Um, you know, I, I've worked in I've covered politics, I've covered sports, um, and and LeBron was my certainly my favorite um, subject to cover and to work with in my entire career. There's no doubt about that. As a teammate, he was probably his at his best as a teammate when he had older players on the team that that he respected in a certain kind of way. Um, he he needed to rely on those guys to create the right loose, comfortable atmosphere in the locker room and, and away from the court. Um, you know, guys like Channing Frye and, and Richard Jefferson and, and James Jones, um, they could bring a, some levity to the situation and they could kind of invite everybody from the team, from all corners of the locker room, out, you know, to dinner and, and to, to, to people's houses. And, you know, they, they, they would invite themselves to Kevin Love's house and have the whole team come over. Uh, LeBron included, and, and you know, after a while they start going to the Indians games when the Indians win the World Series and, and those kinds of things. That's when LeBron w- was at his best um, as a teammate. He was very hard on Kyrie, uh, and at times Kyrie had totally deserved it. There's no, there's no question about that. That's an, another longer discussion. Um, th- this year as a teammate, LeBron – it's 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 hard because I think as a teammate he really struggled this year. Um, he struggled throughout the year. He was uncomfortable, which this is going to sound so crazy, but he 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 had kind of lost his way as the um, kind of alpha leader uh, of the team when Dwayne Wade came on and and Isaiah Thomas and. Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose, like these are guys that are established veterans that can't really be talked to 
in a certain way. And LeBron, of course, was clearly the best player, and it was clearly his team. But he had kind of gotten away from just kind of really, like, enforcing his will as to how this was going to go. And then when all those guys got traded, like literally all of them, um, he, he, he tried to reassume that role. But these guys that, he, that they brought in, three of them were young, 25 years old, and, and one was, was George Hill, who he had known from playing against in the playoffs. But he just didn't, um, he didn't really know the other guys in, in, in a way. And, and it, it, it had just become too much of a task to try to bring all this together in the two months they had before the playoffs started. So what LeBron ended up doing, um, by and large, was taking it upon himself. And the Cavs set up their team so that regardless of who was on the floor or whatever, what, what the other talent was, everything, literally every last little thing was going to go through LeBron. And LeBron was incredible. He was sensational and, and, and carried this team back to a finals when no one thought they could make it. And, um, but, but the, the LeBron, the teammate, had long been gone. By, by the time that had rolled around. Joe Varden from Cleveland.com joining us. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Why was he so hard on Kyrie? Well, um, I mean, he, LeBron put words to it himself uh, way at the beginning, early in that first season together, when he talked about bad habits. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that Kyrie had shown to be an incredible talent, brilliant offensive player, killer, all those things. But playing on a bad Cavs team, you know, I mean, pretty much maybe with the exception of the Stepien years, um, the worst Cavs team in, in franchise history, that was Kyrie's team. And so he had developed a ton of bad habits, uh, things that you just don't do to play winning basketball. And LeBron knew that he needed to kind of to, to cleanse Kyrie of that. But he also kind of overstepped in a way that there wasn't enough respect I think paid to just how good of a player Kyrie was and this this lasted a long time I mean this lasted well into the 2016 year uh not quite but almost up to the to where to where Kyrie you know knocked down that the the game winner in, in game seven I mean LeBron would publicly um praise him praise Kyrie and talk about how he's a he's a future MVP and all those things but he also like almost akin to like mild hazing. Like he would just kind of haze him and, and just kind of speak about him and to him in a certain way um, that, that rubs Kyrie the wrong way. And then also Kyrie, and this is just totally, <laughs> I mean, a warped view. Kyrie resented how much power and sway LeBron had in the organization. Like basically totally disregarding that you were talking about arguably the greatest player we've ever had. Certainly the greatest player in Cleveland. Um, you know, four-time MVP, two-time champion before that. Uh, and, and he just, he didn't like it. He didn't like that, ever, that reporters ran to LeBron when something happened politically that, that required some comment. Um, he didn't like how much, uh, he didn't like that LeBron's friends were hired for jobs in the organization and, and, and on down the line. So this is something that, that festered uh, over their time together. And in the meantime, they produced the single greatest comeback in NBA Finals history and gave a town something that, that no one born after 1964 had ever seen, period. Joe Varden joining us from Cleveland.com. Um, 
the, the a lot has been made of of Dan Gilbert of the fact that they that LeBron could never get over uh, the letter that Dan Gilbert you know wanted to make decisions wanted his team back. What's the reality to who Dan Gilbert was in this entire story? Well, Doug, that's a great question, and um, you know I, I try every chance I get to, to to kind of set this this straight, like the whatever animosity or whatever ill will that there is or was between Dan and LeBron in these in this second four years together, I I call it overblown um, because it's portrayed as though there was a falling out, like oh, you know, LeBron is just so furious with Dan or so fed up with Dan or whatever the case may be. And that, that just wasn't true. They, they, um, they agreed to kind of move past what had happened in the past, but they, they, they didn't say, they didn't shake hands and say, okay, let's be friends. Like the, they didn't have a personal relationship when LeBron came back. LeBron did not come back because of Dan. Um, and, and, and I think that LeBron was actually telling the truth when, uh, he said to Rachel uh, at the start of the finals, like, I, I have a great working relationship with Dan. I mean, they didn't have any personal relationship ever. Um, but, you know, Dan, for the most part, uh, spent a ton of money and did what he said he would do, which is fund a team that was capable of, of, of winning. Um, and LeBron did what he said he would do, which was come here and, and, and get that team to the finals and, and win. So, um, I, if if Dan and LeBron like had had reached some kind of like new level of trust and friendship, maybe LeBron would have remained in Cleveland. Maybe, but I, I just think this is a lot has a lot more to do about what LeBron wanted for himself and his family, and kind of how he wanted to write his last chapter. And part of that, Doug, is he he wanted to play for the Lakers. Like he has always thought it would be really cool to play under that under that moniker and 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 now he he's got the chance to do it will it work and and here's why i ask because i agree with you you know he had like channing fry he had some of these these great teammates who um they respected him but didn't take everything too seriously and and kind of understood but and even though i think he respects rondo and probably likes the 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 grittiness and toughness of lance and you know these guys that that need to play well that need to fit in uh, even JaVel McGee has seen JaVel McGee might be the only guy who can have a good time and be a veteran. Then you have all these other young guys who he might like their talent, but they, man, they're really young and they might revere him, but that doesn't mean uh, they, they can be their best selves playing with him based upon what they currently have, how they're currently structuring it. Do you think it'll work? Well, do I think they're going to beat the Warriors this year? Uh, no. No, almost no matter what. I mean, now the Warriors would need two devastating injuries to kind of bring them back to the pack instead of just the requisite one uh, with five All Stars over there. But I think this is a bigger. I think this is a bigger discussion too. Um, we were talking out here. I'm at the summer league, and we were talking with some of the Lakers writers, and I won't name names because they got to work with that team now. But they were questioning like, oh. You know, are the are the Lakers right now? Are they even be- are they better than the Rockets? Are they better than the Pelicans? They just kind of name like three or four teams other than the Warriors. And uh, and Jason and Lloyd and I, you know, the two of the guys that have watched LeBron do this for the last four years, just, just laughing at him. 
Like, you cannot bet against LeBron unless it's the Warriors, who have an unprecedented level of talent. You can't bet against him at any point because he's that good. So, yes, I think it can work. However, uh, and I'll try to get to the point as quick as I can, we need to remember that in January of this year, the Cavs were trending in a way that they would not have made the playoffs. Yeah. They were 6-13 and 13 at one point, and they had all these names, and it just wasn't working. And LeBron was in the locker room, and they could not win. Um, and so I am fascinated. You know, this, like LeBron may have to change, change a little bit kind of how he approaches things away from the floor just to make some of these guys feel a little bit better about things and try to kind of build that, build up, you know, the, the team and the camaraderie component of this that it, that it takes to be successful. So I think, it, I think, it, I think it will work, but I do absolutely recognize the challenge. It's going, it's going to be amazing. What about, what about the Cavs? Um, I like their point guard <laughs> and I, I do think Kevin Love, it's going to be interesting what they do with Kevin Love. What do you think the process they go through is? Do they tank? Is that is that the plan? How, how do they plan to rebuild this thing? Well, so, I mean, you know, we've taken, like, a tire iron to them uh, over this. Uh, just just searching for every nook and cranny, every pressure point. Are you going to tank? Just because that's kind of, you know, that, that's the, the, the common knowledge is the right word, but that's, like, the opinion out there. Like, oh, you lost LeBron, you have no chance, you have to tank. Um, and they insist, including like the guys behind the scenes, they insist that that is not immediately the plan. Um, they feel like their talent is underrated, um, and they feel like the guys that they brought in, as it turned out, weren't great fits to play under the kind of pressure that it takes to play with LeBron, who's trying to go to a fourth finals and, and expects so much without time to gel, and they just think, that those guys on their own um, aren't going that, – that, that, there's, that there's potential there. They also think, and maybe this is part of it is market-wise, that you don't just trade Kevin, just trade him. Um, you need to get, like – you need to get the right pieces for him. And the market might not be there for him now. So there, there really there, – there is a, a very viable case to be made to bring this team back, bring Kevin back, um, and, and see how it goes. You know, uh, the, the East is going to be weak. Um, there's two playoff spots that, you know, you, you think that might be there. And, you know, it, the rest of the league doesn't think the Cavs are going to, you know, be a candidate for them. But right now the Cavs kind of do. And, and there's no harm in trying it. And if, and if things go awry, then you trade Kevin at, at, at the deadline and, and, you know, you look for picks and, those kinds of things, and you start to start the rebuild then. But if if it works, Doug, um, what a story for Dan, and what a story for Kevin. And the thing they've been saying is, you know, these rebuilds are not guaranteed to work. Like, yeah, the Sixers are a heck of a story after just five awful, terrible, horrendous years. Right. And oh, by the way, if they don't trade for Kawhi Leonard, they're probably not getting to the finals anyway. Right. I mean, like that's how hard it is. Right. And, 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 you know, and like, look, they're, they're betting on Bede to stay healthy. They're betting on Ben Simmons to develop a jump shot. Uh, so, yeah. and, and, and look, that's the best, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, they tanked and they got a great player out of it, but they were, you know, they, they still were out of the first round of the playoffs. I mean, still, it doesn't, it doesn't 
It doesn't always work. It's a, it's a great point. Uh, download those podcasts. It's incredible conversation. Enjoy the summer league. And uh, we'll talk soon, Joe. Great stuff, man. Okay. Thanks for having me, Doug. Joe Varden, Cleveland.com. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. LeBron James did, in fact, tweet out specifically to Blaze Pizza welcomed him in. Okay. Blaze Pizza sent out the, you know, for every, everybody. But LeBron was the one who, who said, um, who tweeted out that he was, you know, haven't been to a pizza party in a minute. With the, what's the, um, what's the emoji where you're the thinking man emoji with the hand over the chin? Culver City? Question mark? Come on, man. That's teasing people like go to Culver City. This was after Blaze Pizza said, are you ready for the king of all pizza parties? We're celebrating LeBron James arrival to LA with free pizza, seven to 10. Stop by any of our LA locations. And he tweeted out Culver City. Look, do I think this is like the end of a friendship and a bromance? Laker fans are a lot like, you know what they're like? They're like people who watch evangelists on TV. They do. They, they just, they, 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 they want to be a part. Whoever the second, the next, next Jesus is, they want, it was first, it was magic. Forget magic. Now it's Kobe. Forget Kobe. Now it's LeBron. We used to not like LeBron. Now we like LeBron because he's on our team. Like, okay, LeBron pizza, just lead us, lead us to a championship Lead, Show up, be one of us. And here's the thing. I don't think this is anything damning towards LeBron in the future. I'm not going to. But it's a great missed opportunity because the one thing that Kobe has never been able to be, though he was loved, like if you've ever been to Staples, Staples is there's stowage is basically the upper level, right? It's a weird arena in, in its setup. They're downstairs, right? When you get down on the floor level, those are high dollar. Okay. But the, the hardcore Ultra Laker, that, that, but that's like you go there date night, you go there to be seen. But the Laker fans, the real fans, the real people are up in the upper deck. That crowd loved Kobe Mamba mentality, but he was never really one of them. Italy, Philly, lives in, you know, he lives in Newport. Like he didn't live in LA. And not that LeBron is really one of them, he's from Akron to Miami, to Cleveland, back to here. But he does, does live in L.A. proper, lives, lives in Brentwood. And this was a chance to at least dip his toe in being a man of the people. Hey, you know what? I haven't been to Blaze Pizza in L.A. Let's go to Culver City. It's right around the corner. And just show up. And I mean, like, look, if I was advising LeBron James, I would have told him, like, hey, dude, let's get there and wait in line. Not get there and even do the LeBron thing where you're a security and cut through and you shake hands. Just go there and wait in line. Be like, hey, man, what's up? I'm not going to sign autographs today. I'm just going to have pizza. Bring whoever's with you. We all came to get free pizza. <laughs> yeah, I just signed for $153 million, but it's free pizza. Who says no to free Blaze pizza? Nobody says no to free. And you would have won the people. I, I just, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. That's all. Did he come here to win another title, to win number 18? Or do you just come here to do the L.A. thing, to be in movies, to be an actor? Because that's what everybody comes here for, right? Actor, director. Oh, I got a script you got to see. That's what LeBron, that's what it feels like. 
Try to be a man of the people. Of the people. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The basketball world is really in, in Las Vegas. NBA Summer League. They got the Board of Governors meetings, and they got guys like C.J. McCollum, who's got an awesome podcast out there. He's kind enough to join us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. C.J., how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Uh, let, let me start with what everybody's talking about with your team. What did you make of the original tweet by Damian Lillard? <laughs> I actually didn't even see it until it was on, like, what, Bleacher Report or something like that. I wasn't really paying attention, but... Um, I know Dame. I talk to Dame pretty often, so I didn't really think of, think of it as anything. But in the outside world, if you're not a part of the organization, then I can see how you would leave, you would be skeptical or maybe think, think something of it. Yeah. So it was. One, I mean, is that is that really what it is? It was just one of those cases where he just really said, "I'm typically a happy camper." Right. That that was his tweet. I'm typically a happy camper. It, it w- w- did we misperceive? The, the 140 <laughs> characters. It wasn't even 140 characters that he put out there. Yeah, yeah I think it was a little blown out of portion, blown out of portion a little bit just based on what's going on. Obviously, there's a lot of rumors swirling around our team in general. There have been rumors for years. Someone asked him a question, and he answered it basically saying that he's typically happy. Like Basically, like he's typically happy all the time. So I think I think that was an accurate statement in what he said. He typically is happy you know, most of the time. And, People are going to make up rumors regardless of what you say. If you answer it, if you don't answer it, there's always going to be something. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, he's a member of the Portland Trailblazers. What was your reaction when uh, Boogie signed with the Warriors? I, I was I was actually on a plane flying back from Miami to, to Portland, and my girl showed me her phone. She was like, DeMarcus Cousins just signed with the Warriors. And I was like, stop playing. Like, stop playing. I went to sleep. I didn't believe it. And then I woke up two hours later and I signed into my Wi-Fi and sure enough, it had happened. I was shocked. I was surprised, you know, at the number he signed for, surprised that he chose the Warriors, surprised that there were other teams more interested in, surprised that he didn't get a bigger offer from another team, surprised the Lakers didn't go after him. There was a lot of thoughts that went through my head at that time, so I had to text him. <laughs> I, I, guess, I, I, I guess my question, they eliminated you guys from the playoffs. They've done it a couple of times. Um, are we sure it makes them better? And and here's why. Like I understand, like in the world of fantasy sports, like you add an all star to a team, like yeah. But one, he's coming off injury, and two, you know, the, the beauty to them was that they could play small and switch everything. They may be like, look, he can re- boogie if if healthy can really play. We don't know how healthy he'll be and how good he'll be, and it changes their ability to switch everything because he's a true five defensively. Right. I think it'll be tough at first. got to make adjustments. Obviously, he's not going to be able to play to start the season. He'll probably stay out a little bit, get more comfortable with you know the recovery process of the injury, more comfortable with the Warriors' offense and defense and schemes and principles. But overall, I think when once they figure it all out, it still helps them because of the fact that he's probably the, the best back-to-basket guy you know, on their team for sure. I think Sean Livingston was their biggest post-up threat. Draymond passes a lot of the post, so he doesn't really score. And that gives him just a different look. You know, he can shoot threes. He's he's capable passer, has great vision, average over five or six a game, and can embrace double teams and force double teams. So, overall, I think once they figure out the continuity and, and you know, the touches and where he's going to get his shots from, 
I don't see why they can't be successful with arguably the best big in the NBA. Hmm. Uh, the the podcast is called the Pull Up. Uh, CJ McCollum's is star with the goal, with the with the Portland Trailblazers. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's get to LeBron. Um, it it felt like it was a foregone conclusion that he would end up in L.A. when Le- when it became official that he was going to L.A. What did you think? I wasn't surprised. I mean, you look at the the options on the table for him, and you know, based on the type of situation he was looking for, the market. Obviously, what he's doing in the community, what he's doing outside of the, the sports realm with production and getting more involved with film, it, it made sense. Um, looking at his career in Cleveland, how many years he put in there, what he's done for the community, what he's done for the state of Ohio, the game of basketball in general, I felt like there was only two options, and I don't think the Houston Rockets was the option he wanted to take. Agreed. Um, how far away are they when they add LeBron? I mean, when you have LeBron, you always have a chance. You can put LeBron out there with, with four 15th men on a roster, and you're going to have a chance to win games. So it's just more about health, you know, how they figure out the, the rotation with with uh, Rondo coming in there. They got Justine Pole, They got Kuzma. They got Ingram. They got a lot of wings who can play. Just got to figure out the rotation, who's going to start at point guard, who's going to close games. And obviously, matchups will be a, a, will be something to look forward to to seeing in the Western Conference because you never know what feed you're going to get. You never know who you're going to match up with. So anything's possible. There, look, there are people. There's a lot of people who think, "Hey, man, Western Conference is so loaded that we should go one through 16." Um, I, I sit there and go, "Like, you know, look, I, I think the Western Conference is is better than the Eastern Conference, but I'm not sure right. we're giving credit for 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 Milwaukee." And and what what Giannis is is helping build there, we got to pay attention to Philadelphia and what those young guys they're going to get better. Boston at full strength should be very very good. Toronto's pretty good as well. Like, are we completely dismissing the East a little bit too early? Uh, I mean, I think the Eastern Conference is good, but the Western Conference, you know, from the top to bottom, the depth, you look at the, the dominance that some of the teams that have won in the last few years, the Rockets winning 65 games and not even um, getting to the finals. You look at the Warriors, how dominant they've been the last few years. I think you you look at the top of the West and the top of the East, and that's where the comparisons come out. And then you add LeBron to the Western Conference, and that's when teams start to, or people start to talk about the differences in the East and West. I think they're both very competitive, but the edge probably goes to the West right now just because of the depth and, and how good the top is. But there are some very strong teams in the Eastern Conference, but uh, the the proof is in the pudding. The Warriors have been dominant, and they've contended for championships the last couple of years. The only other team that compete with them is the team LeBron was on, and now LeBron's in the in the Western Conference. So I think that's why there's a disparity, and people continue to try to put down the uh, the other conference. That that part is fair. Um, CJ McCollum joining us. Obviously, we we started by reacting to what Damian tweeted, and I think the reason is look. You guys were great in the second half of the season. Him especially, an incredible second half of the season. And uh, and but there there there's always going to be people that say, "Look, that's as good as it gets. Like you're never going to take that next step." And so and so when when he tweets out, "Hey, I'm always a happy camper about the possibility of going to the Lakers," w- there's like a like confirmation bias in it, right? We're like, "Oh, well, of course he wants to go to a team with LeBron, so now he can compete for a championship." What's it like to deal with the reality of, man, it's really hard to get that one more step, that Warriors-level step, or even that Rockets-level step when you're in Portland? 
Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to win regardless of where you're at, especially in the Western Conference. You haven't played the Warriors a lot of times the last you know five years. You see what a championship caliber team looks like. You see how they execute. You see how they play together. You see how great they are defensively. And it's, it's tough and it's frustrating, but it's a part of life. Nothing, nothing in life is going to be easy. It's not easy to to live in America. It's not easy to work a, a nine to five. It's not easy to play in the NBA, and it's not easy to make it. So, right. you got to figure out ways to improve. Figure out ways to get better and control the controllables. That's kind of how I've always lived my life. I can only control my preparation, my mindset, and my attitude every day. The rest is going to be what it's going to be. Okay, so uh, the the podcast is called the Pull Up. If people yeah. haven't heard, haven't downloaded it. What's it like? You should definitely subscribe. You can subscribe to anywhere to the pull-up pod. We basically just talk about what's going on in the NBA. I get wine recommendations. I get book recommendations occasionally. I've had guests on. We'll continue to add guests from different backgrounds and walks of life. I've had the, the producer of Billions on the pod. Love it. I've had D-Wade on. I am a huge Billions fan, so shout out, to, shout out to Brian for coming on, but... It's been great. It's been great for me to just kind of talk about my thoughts on the NBA, my thoughts on the summer league, certain rookies. I, I think I'm going to play well, like Kevin Knox, who surprised a lot of people. Although he was booed on draft night, you know, typical Knicks fans booed Kevin Knox on draft night. I think he's going to really help them. But we just give a variety of takes, you know, on what it's like to be in the NBA, what it's like to, you know, watch the game from my point of view. Okay, so let me let me ask you about Kevin Knox. I too liked him before the draft. Uh, 18, I think you know, as a face-up four, can play some three. You know, he's, his body's going to get even better. Um, uh, so, w- why, do you think, why do you think some teams missed on him? I think a lot of Kentucky players are better in the NBA. Um, there's so much talent around them. There are certain rules to where, you know, Anthony Davis, you look at Devin Booker, they evolve once they get to the NBA. Even Carl Anthony Towns, I think you're starting to see how well-rounded he is as a player. His versatility, he can shoot, obviously, has a nice-looking jump shot, even though... He only shot about 35 or 36% from here in college. He's big. He's able to guard, like you said before, he can guard the four and the three. He's a large wing with athleticism and ability to, you know, push tempo off a of, off of rebound. So I think he has all the tools to be successful. It's just about putting them together. Who's been disappointing to you that you've watched in Vegas? <laughs> Honestly, I haven't really watched that much. I've been working out. Wait, 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 wait. You can tell me how much you like Kyle, Kevin Knox and other rookies. But you you don't get you don't offer up anything negative. Well, not really because it's it's summer league. So when when you play well, I watch like how you played well. I don't necessarily judge the, the points, the assist, rebounds. I'm looking at how you're scoring. Does it translate to an actual NBA game? You know, can you score at three levels? You have a mid range game. Can you finish around the basket? Do you have a floater if you're a guard? Can you shoot threes, catch and shoot, open? Can you shoot threes, catch and shoot, contest it? Can you shoot threes off the dribble? So that's kind of what I watch. And whether you make or miss it, I can tell from your skill set if you're going to be successful or not. So I don't really get caught up in Trey Young shooting poorly or shooting well because you know, like, historically he's made shots. It's just about the shot selection, where he's shooting shots from, how he's running the offense. And once he gets more comfortable and the rest of the rookies get more comfortable, they'll be successful. But summer league isn't always indicative of NBA success. You've got a guy like Josh Selby who's won summer league MVP. You've got a guy like Trey Mon who's terrible. Right, in summer league, one of the, one of the worst summer league players we've ever seen, honestly, and he's a very very good NBA player. So it doesn't necessarily always equate to success either way. I just kind of try to watch the intangibles, and as a player who plays the game and has guarded certain guys, like how does how do they score? How right. do they defend? How's their body language? That's stuff that translates to success or failure in the league. How how important? And I, look, I I completely agree with you in terms of people get so caught up in make or miss. 
It's more about the shot selection. It's also about can you get by guys. But what about the other right. end of the floor in terms of uh, level of effort, level of toughness, and level of ability? Um, I, I don't think it – fans think nobody guards anybody in the NBA. The reality to it is if you can't guard anybody, you can't play in the NBA. How much do you pay attention to that? Definitely pay attention to that as well. And it's the saying goes, there's, there's great defense and there's better offense. There's a lot of great defenders out there and there's a lot of – extremely talented players offensively to where, like Kevin Durant, you can play great defense, do everything in your power to prevent a tough shot, and he still makes it. So can a guy move his feet? Does he know the angle? Are you helping? Does he communicate at the defensive end? How does he fight over screens as a guard? Those are things that are a crucial part of the game. You're looking at 90 to 115 pick and rolls, depending on how many possessions is in the game. Can he get over screens? Is he weak? Is he strong physically? You know, does he die? Does he crash? If you're a big man, does he box out? Or does he just go for the rebound? Does he have a motor? You know, there's the questions about DeAndre Aiden and whether or not he has a motor. I think he's coming out with a chip on his shoulder trying to get chased down blocks, going after every offensive rebound, trying to show that, you know, he does have a motor and he is worthy of the number one pick. CJ McCollum, great stuff that you're giving us. Um, okay, so... Knowing all of this and knowing all of the things you look for, it's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I'm fascinated by the mellow thing, right? So mellow, mellow. It looks like they're either going to trade him or buy him out or smooth him or uh, not smooth him, but stretch him, and so he'll be gone from there. Does it does it change in a locker room how he can be and how the presence he has based upon? The salary he earns. What, what I've always thought on uh, uh, this is a working premise. You live in, you work in NBA locker rooms. I do not. I've always thought, hey man, if a guy's making twenty-seven million, he's got a little bit more say than if a guy's playing at the minimum because he was bought out at twenty-seven million. I guess my question is, can he? Is can you get the best out of Melo, whatever he's got left, in a championship type situation, if the leadership is different and if he's making a different salary? Absolutely. I think Melo is who he is. You know, he's a bona fide scorer. He showed that he can score at three. I think the motor, the drive is going to be there. He's going to be out to prove people wrong. This is a big, big year for him individually. and He's going to do whatever it takes to, to help himself succeed individually and to help the team succeed. So salaries aside, you know, there's a lot of wealthy people in the league. There's a lot of guys who want minimums. I think from a credibility and ability standpoint, people respect him now. It's just about him finding the right situation, whether that's Miami, whether that's Houston, or wherever he decides to go, and then applying himself and making shots, you know, defending better, doing those things that, you know, whatever team he goes to is going to need for, the, for them to be successful, for him to continue to expand his career. The podcast is called The Pull-Up. CJ McCollum's. You watch him with the Portland Trailblazers. You follow him on social media. And apparently he gives wine recommendations as well. What I need, I don't need that. I just need the cell phone because I never know what to order with wine. I can't listen to the podcast and then remember that. And then go, okay, I'll write this down. I'm going to order this wine. I need, like, you know, I need to sound like I know what I'm talking about. I was at a restaurant last night and they're like, do you want wine? I was like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. None. <laughs> yeah, man, you got to continue to try to educate yourself. Ask questions. Use the Vivino app and just figure out ways to... Uh, taste certain wines, learn about the grapes, research it, and then as you continue to go to a certain menus at restaurants, you'll be able to pick out whether you want a French Bordeaux, whether you want Italian wine, whether you want a, a soft red, a bold red, a strong red, do you want a Sonoma Coast, or do you want more of a smooth Italian Italian grape? So you just got to go through it. The more you taste it, the more you're asking questions, 
uh, it's easier to kind of learn about it. And then when you do wine tasting and things of that nature, you're more comfortable with, you know, going through the selection process. Great stuff, CJ. CJ McCollum, thanks so much for joining us. No problem at all. Thank you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with code DOUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.